Today our scripture is from Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. And in our Pew Bible, it's page 47 to 48. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinfolk. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he said to the one who was in the wrong, why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? He answered, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh. He settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. The priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. But some shepherds came and drove them away. Moses got up and came to their defense and watered their flock. When they returned to their father rule, he said, how is it that you come back so soon today? They said, an Egyptian helped us against the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, where is he? Why did you leave this man? Invite him to break bread. Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter, Sephora, in marriage. He bore a son, and he named him Gershom. For he said, I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Out of the slavery, their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon Israelites, and God took notice of them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. I want you to think for a moment about the last time you had an encounter with the police. Maybe it hasn't been very long because you have someone in law enforcement in your family. <laughs> I don't mean the last time you just hung out with a cop. I want you to think about the last time you interacted with the police because you or someone else broke the law. What was that encounter like? What feelings did you have before or after? Was it helpful? Was it anxious? Did it resolve the way you wanted it to? It's likely that most of us have not had an encounter with the police in the last year, but police and policing continues to provide news for good and not good reasons, and that has resulted in a lot of conversations over the last two years, especially asking, what is it that we want out of our police force? When do we want them to intervene? When do we not? 
What do we want them to be responsible for? How do we want to hold them accountable when things go badly? We've seen stories in the news of moments when policing goes very wrong, the killing of George Floyd in 2020 being the biggest recent case. How can we make sure that another Derek Chauvin doesn't have the chance to commit murder while in uniform? We want to be safe. We want our communities to be safe. We're grateful for all that the police do. We want to honor the sacrifice and the bravery of law enforcement officers. So what can be done to make sure that police treat people fairly while enforcing the law and keeping our neighborhoods safe? You got the answer to that? It's not simple, is it? And if someone has told you that there are simple answers, I would humbly suggest that they are wrong. <laughs> but the lack of simple answers, that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. In fact, I think that means we need to talk about it more. We need to listen, and we need to share, and we need to reason together, and we need to discern together, and we need to trust that there is wisdom to be found in community. There is wisdom to be found when we sit together and when we puzzle over hard things. There's wisdom to be found when we trust one another enough to talk about complicated problems where we might disagree. I remember a moment, it's probably 10 years ago, I think, where I experienced how not everyone gets treated the same by the police. It, it was a minor moment, but it was revelatory to me. I was in the car with my mother running errands. We were in Wichita and she was driving eastbound on Kellogg Avenue. And we were in deep conversation and suddenly she realized she was about to miss the exit she meant to take so that we could make one more stop on our way home. Now there weren't very many other cars on the expressway so she quickly crossed over a lane of traffic and then went across those big white lines on the pavement that separate an exit from the highway. You know the kind I'm talking about. Starts as a single white line and then it goes out into a V and there are those, okay, she crossed all that and thankfully got into the exit lane before the concrete wall. <laughs> and then suddenly we saw red and blue lights flashing behind us and the whoop of a police siren. It turns out you're not supposed to cross all those white lines in a hurry, even if you're about to miss your exit. So my mother slowed the car down and pulled over to the side of the road and a very nice officer came up to the side of the car and my mother rolled down the window the officer looked into the car, saw my mother, saw me, mother and daughter. My mother, a white woman in her mid-60s by then, her hair completely gray, turning toward white. She wears glasses. She's not very tall, not very big. She has an extremely sweet smile, which she shared with the officer, <laughs> as she called him Sir. What I'm saying is my mother is the opposite of an imposing physical presence. That is, unless you're her child doing something she did not want you to do. And then she has a look that will bring you to your knees. But she wasn't going to show that to the police officer who just pulled her over. So the conversation between them was very short. He explained what she did that she should not have done. And she agreed that she should not have done it. And she said, I'm sorry. I didn't want to miss my exit. And he said, I understand, don't do it again. And she said, smiling, I won't. <laughs> and he said, have a nice day, and waved goodbye. He didn't run her license. 
He didn't threaten a ticket. He just left. And I was aghast. I thought if I had been driving, I would have a $100 fine in my hand right now for sure. But my sweet mother just told to go on her merry way. Now, if something about my mother had looked different that day, her age, her dress, her car, her gender, her skin color, would that encounter have turned out the same? I don't know. But it's very possible it would not have. Likely, someone else in that same situation would have gotten a ticket. I think I would have. Maybe more than one ticket. Maybe it would have escalated even beyond that. We know about stories of routine traffic stops that have ended tragically, and other stories of people who've been hassled or accused when they haven't even broken a traffic law. And often, we know statistically, people who experience harsher encounters with the police are black and brown. Now, even if it's a tiny fraction of people of color who experience harassment by the police each year, and it is a small percentage, it is a small percentage, but each encounter that happens adds on to the historic brutality that communities of color have experienced, often in the name of enforcing the law. And if there's lots of examples of this, but one that comes to my mind immediately is to remember that it was police in uniform who beat the unarmed marchers on the bridge to Selma, Alabama in 1965. That kind of thing stays with a community. There are reasons for some communities to distrust or be anxious about police conduct more than others. But we also love people in law enforcement, don't we? I've had cops in almost every congregation that I've served, and I have been so glad to be their pastor. I've had moments in my life when law enforcement officers were very helpful and kept me safe and others safe in a very tangible way, and I was so grateful. We're grateful for the police, and we're proud of what they do. We're grateful that they get up every day and they go and do a dangerous job to help our community. We know that there are so many guns on the street that a police officer never knows if they're entering a situation where their life could be at risk. We know that they deal every day with people who are mentally unwell, people who are high on drugs, people who are enraged, and people who simply want to hurt the cops. And we know how much their families worry for them. We want them to be safe, even as they keep us safe. So, what can we do? In light of all these tensions, how do we together move toward justice? It's a big question. And it's not just in our day that justice and law enforcement are complicated. Just consider this story that we read today from the early life of Moses, a moment when trying to do right doesn't exactly go right. Moses, you might remember, he was hidden in a basket by his mother and sent down the river. And the basket was discovered by a daughter of Pharaoh, and he was then raised in Pharaoh's palace. And when he was a young man, Moses went out to one day to visit the Hebrew people, his people. And the Bible says he saw their forced labor. Forced labor, that means they were slaves. They were already slaves, already living as slaves to Egyptian taskmasters. So Moses sees a, an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man, beating him so badly that the man might die, and Moses jumps to the man's defense and instead kills the Egyptian. 
and hides his body, buries it in the sand, it says, which I think is kind of hilarious. I don't know, feels like a little kid burying something. But we say, hooray Moses, right? I mean, he intervened. He saved the day. But then the next day, he goes back out, and he sees two Hebrews arguing with each other, and he tries to step in and broker a peace, and they yell at him. They yell at him, and they say, what are you going to do? Kill one of us like you killed the Egyptian? All of a sudden, Moses realizes he's not safe, and he flees from Egypt. He is not a hero to the Hebrews. Why is that? Did they still see him as more of an Egyptian since he grew up in Pharaoh's palace? But he didn't have protection from Pharaoh either. No one seemed pleased with what he had done to save the Hebrew man. Was it the right thing to do? Was it a righteous thing to do? Or did he let his anger get the best of him? I think the Bible leaves that a little unclear. It leaves it as something for us to wrestle with. Now, not long after that, Moses gets the chance to stand up again for fairness, this time with less lethal consequences, thankfully. This time he helps some women water their flocks because they're being hassled by other pushy male shepherds. And that turns out better for Moses because they bring him home and he stays with their father and eventually he marries one of the women. And it's just after that that he encounters the burning bush and he's called by God to go back to Egypt to help save the Israelite people. Moses then becomes this great deliverer of justice. So does that mean that what he did in killing the Egyptian was right? I'm not sure that it was. I think it's possible that in his craving for justice, Moses went too far. He certainly broke one of the Ten Commandments that he would later carry down Mount Sinai, thou shalt not kill. But should he have let that beating continue, thinking that it wasn't his place to intervene? I'm not sure about that either. He was in a really difficult situation, and however he responded would have had consequences. When and how should Moses have used his power? What could he do to keep other people safe? What was beyond his control? Those are questions that are not easily resolved in our story today, and they're also the same kinds of questions that swirl around our conversation about policing. Now, the Bible is clear that God is a God of justice, and eventually God used Moses in the most powerful way to bring justice and bring freedom to the people. The story of Exodus, it shows us that God is a God of liberation, especially for people who are oppressed. So as people of faith, we have to always be asking, what does justice look like in God's eyes? How do we value people as children of God? How do we make our communities look more like God's desire for them? Others say that the top priority, the thing we focus on, should be developing resources in the community so that police don't have to be the one to respond to every social problem or nonviolent crime. We know that police spend a large amount of their time responding to mental health crises, drug abuse encounters, and domestic violence. Could those crisis moments be handled better by social workers or community service officers rather than by armed police officers? And like the others, this approach has potential benefits and potential drawbacks. Now, likely you've thought about some of these approaches or another one entirely that could improve policing in America. 
and in our community specifically. And the truth is, I would love to hear what your thoughts are. So that's why tomorrow night, we're gonna hold what's called a deliberative dialogue. It's a place to talk, a place to listen, a place to understand and to learn. It's not a debate. We're not gonna pit one side against another. We're not gonna hold a vote at the end to make some definitive statement about what St. Paul's thinks we should do. That's not what it's for. The point instead is to have the kind of conversation that we don't often have in public spaces. Conversation where it's possible to disagree and still walk away liking each other. Can you believe it? We can do it. I'm sure that you've seen, like I've seen, videos online from school board meetings and city council meetings where speaker after speaker gets up just to yell and threaten and, and paint whatever issue is before the group in, an, in a strict either or right and wrong term. And we're gonna have a very different tone tomorrow. One where we have the chance to share our views and listen to others. So if you're concerned about police abuse in our country and you wanna see major reform, I hope you'll come. If you think that on the whole, police are unfairly criticized because of a few bad actors, I hope you'll come. If you aren't sure what to think or you're not sure what should be done, I hope you'll come. Tomorrow night, 6.30, over there in the chapel. Invite friends if you want. Pick up an issue guide that's sitting outside the church office to help you think through some of the possibilities before we meet. As people of faith, we have a deep concern for justice. We know that it's God's desire for the world, that everyone have enough, that people are safe and able to live in peace. We also know that the world is far from that reality and there are choices to be made about how we help our communities be more peaceful, more whole, more hospitable, more just. But the Bible itself shows us it's not always easy to discern what is most just in a situation or what should be done. So we continue to pray about it, to study it, to search the scriptures, to talk to one another, to talk to people who have experiences very different from our own. And we trust that the Holy Spirit will guide us and bring us wisdom. It will help us to encourage our community and strengthen it for all people. Thanks be to God. Amen.